You're listening to the Kilcullen Diary Podcasts. Stories in sound from a village grown bigger. Hello, I'm Brian Byrne. You're listening to In Those Days, a Kilcullen Diary series on memories of times before today. Mine, my family's and other people's. In this episode, I'm remembering my Uncle Barney, a prisoner of war in Japan. At last, more or less free. I'm writing this two days after we were informed of the armistice and we ceased our work in slavery, as it might have been called. These were the opening words in a letter my Uncle Barney began to his aunts in Kilcullen, Peg and Nora on the 17th of August 1945. The context was the surrender of Japan after the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings in World War II. Barney wasn't actually my uncle, he was my dad's first cousin. I only met him twice as a small child, but at that age he became my favourite uncle when on his first trip home after the war he bought me a pedal car Willie's Jeep with the American Army star on the bonnet. Little boys are easily bribed to love. There's another connection too. My given names include Bernard, Barney for short, and I was named after him at a time when nobody was sure if he was alive or dead. As it happened, that letter informed Peg and Nora and the rest of the family that he was indeed alive, after what he described as 42 months in which he saw friends killed and die from every known cause while self kept on going. At present I am as well and fit as ever I have been, he wrote, unwounded, unmaimed and free from disease. When he started writing that letter, Barney and his companions in the coal mines prison camp at Sandai in Japan were expecting to be liberated imminently by Allied troops. So he didn't intend it to be as long as it became. What he started as a short sketch of his experiences ended up a 13,000-word extraordinary record of three and a half years of captivity and unending hunger. It began in Hong Kong, where he worked as a civil servant for the Crown Colony. Outbreak of war found me in Bath with sad hangover, after a hectic birthday weekend coinciding with the preliminaries of war, he wrote. Birthday party. Big ball for the China Red Cross in Hong Kong's biggest hotel, interrupted hourly by loudspeaker announcements calling men back to action stations, ship's crews to report on board immediately. Hectic scenes of parting, two jazz bands, champagne on tick, money no object, the eve of Waterloo all over again. And I woke up next morning with a bad hangover and am suffering in the bath, when the Japs start dive-bombing and machine-gunning the airport half a mile down the road. Out of bath, into uniform, and I was sitting behind my machine-gun within two hours. From there, the account, written on all sorts of scraps of paper, brings the reader to the privations of Barney Byrne and his friends, incarcerated first in Hong Kong and later in Japan itself. It's an extraordinary document because there are in fact relatively few such first-hand accounts of POW experiences from that theatre of World War II. Most who endured and survived never talked about it afterwards. 
Barney wrote of how nearly 500 of those in the Hong Kong camp died of various malnutrition-based diseases such as beriberi, pellagra, dysentery and jaundice. His account of how the mother of his former flatmate and now fellow prisoner, a Russian named Anatoly Komorsky, helped keep them alive by sending in food parcels is heartfelt gratitude. I owe those two Russians, mother and son, he wrote, more than even I could forget to repay. In May 1944, Barney and 200 others were sent to Japan on a ship that was very lucky not to have been sunk by US submarines. 200 men crowded into a dirty, filthy, stinking hold of a small 200-ton tramp steamer, he wrote. When they herded us in at Hong Kong, they would give us no chance to clean the place first, and the place was thick with indescribable filth. We slept on tiers around the bulkheads, head to toe, no room to turn at night. The only latrine was on deck, and 25% of us, me included, had a dysentery within a week. They turned the hose on us once a day for a short while. If you were quick enough, you might get a wash. At Sendai, the group joined other POWs working in the coal mines. Nine working days per shift, one day's rest. Most of the work in badly ventilated shafts, he wrote, where you worked stark naked because of the heat. The letter goes on through descriptions of the treatment of the prisoners by their captors, the poor food, the sickness and death, and eventually the news that Japan had surrendered. Barney kept signing off the letter, expecting daily that they would be on their way home. Though their guards were now possibly their protectors, and eventually they disappeared, leaving the prisoners their guns, it took a long time for the liberation to take place. The camp was bombed by US Navy planes with food, cigarettes and news magazines. Nevertheless, on the 6th of September, Barney and a pal, Des Hines, left the camp on their own and boarded a train, without tickets, that brought them to Tokyo. The account of how they managed to find US officers is both scary and hilarious. The letter was finished in Manila on the 13th of September 1945, a month after it had begun. It was delivered by hand in Kilcullen by another prisoner on his way home to Minogue Bridge in Cork. Parts of it were serialised in the Nationalist and Leinster Times soon afterwards, and the typewritten copy of the full letter in my possession was actually done in the newspaper's office. To this day, to me, it provides an extraordinary link to an uncle with whom I've always felt very connected. I'm Brian Byrne, and this is Kilcullen Diary. Thanks for listening. <laughs>